Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. So Eric, uh, Eric Lancaster, you're the director of Bridging the Gap here in town. You guys actually, your office is like within a stone's throw of here. Just yeah, right, a, just, was it south of 10th Street? Yeah, just south of 10th yeah. Street, about a th- maybe 100 yards. Yeah, it's like a big blue building. How long have we known each other now? Um, so six years. Five, six years, six right? Years. Since like right beginning. Right, well, I used to go to... Yeah. The other place you were at. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So we were we've known each other five six years now. Yeah. And um, been friends. I mean, we look like we're cut from the same cloth, so we get along pretty. <laughs> Just a shorter version. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I remember like the first time I uh, met you, talking to you, like you were you were very conflicted because uh, you had you had like a big time uh, corporate job. I can't remember mm-hmm. who you were working for, but you're doing like sales or something like that, yeah. and. And I remember you coming to me and, like, saying, like, dude, I just feel like God's got more for me. I just don't know what it is, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I had done it for a number of years, like many people do, and I just felt that um, God was calling me to do something different, something that it just didn't feel rewarding. So I don't know, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, you kind of, like, spilled your guts uh, to me, like, on one of our many lunch meetings we've had before. Um, talk, and, like, you're just like, dude, I just... Like, God told me to do it, so I'm quitting, and I'm yeah. going to go do whatever God's calling me to do. Yeah, well, I mean, me and my wife got married in 2012, mm-hmm. and I think it was less than six months after that I announced to her that I was going to quit my corporate job, <laughs> which we didn't talk about that before the wedding. We yeah. talked about yeah. absolutely. And uh, that I was going to go do something. She said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know, but... I won't know until I quit doing what I'm doing yeah. and make myself available to do it. So I remember as you were telling me this, like you didn't know that like I was taking a huge step of faith as well and starting Coastline. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like one of those things like as, as you were saying it, I was realizing, dude, God had set this up you know, yeah. for, for months now. Yeah. And you know, I was, had been worried about stuff or whatever he was already working through. And so actually I remember the day you told me you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I feel like I'm supposed to be in ministry. Yeah. And so God just told me to quit my job. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, let me tell you about this little church I'm starting <laughs> in New Smyrna Beach, right? <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, immediately you and Cynthia jumped on board. And, uh, you know, the, the really crazy part was like I, I was completely honest in the beginning with him. I told him, I was like, dude, I'd love to have you as a partner. Let's do church together. I was like, yeah. I can't pay you anything. He's like, well, that's all right. And that you don't hear that as any type of like you started up any type of new startup or anything like that. It's not like, and so uh, Eric for he didn't we didn't tell anybody then, but for like a whole year, like you didn't yeah. even get a paycheck. You just showed up because God told you to. Yeah, and people used to ask me at church to go, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I go, well, I work here. They go, yeah, but what do you do during the week? I go, I yeah, work here. yeah. <laughs> this is it. And in those days, it was a lot of like. Moving. I mean, we were the setup and teardown crew. We seemed to move a lot of stuff. We, did a, we helped out a lot of people with moving, backed up a bunch of trailers, of ran the trailers into some stuff. Yeah, did yeah. some construction. Hooking up, hooking up trailers in the dark in the mud. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was fun, <laughs> right? So for, for years now, I mean, it's been great to have this 
you know, partnership as far as in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can honestly say, and I think Erica would agree with me, uh, that like Coastland wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you and Cynthia and the hours that you guys put in and, and the two years that you spent on staff helping us get Coastline, Coastline off the ground. And so before we get into anything with Bridging the Gap, I want to let you know, like, Part of the reason why we're here is because of what you did, and I want to make sure you know I'm, I'm thankful for you, dude. Thank thankful you. for your friendship and thankful for your partnership in the kingdom. So, um, But a couple years in, afterwards, you kind of felt this, you know, another spur of, of the Holy Spirit kind of telling you to do something. So tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, yeah, and, um, so after we got to the point here at Coastline where you could actually give me yeah, a little bit of money. I decided I was going to quit that. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as money's coming in, it's like, got a oh, no, gig have, and you're like, oh. I'll have none of that. <laughs> so, so, so we decided, my wife and I had decided we wanted to do something out in the community. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do, but we had an opportunity. Uh, my friend Chip Clark, uh, him and his wife Dawn run uh, Frog Ministry. We're going into a new building and the landlord had offered me a space to mm-hmm. do what we were doing. So at the time, they were feeding homeless, so we were going to try to figure out some kind of other program mm-hmm. for other people. So I went down initially before that came up, though. I had I quit working at Coastline. Yeah. I went down and rented a warehouse space, put in some shelving, bought some food, and then that was it. Yeah. And I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a lot of, I don't know, it was some thought behind it. But yeah. I just figured if I make... What God's always done for me, if I make myself available, something comes out. Oh, he'll out. figure but it out. But until yeah. I make myself available, nothing actually. Yeah. Happens. It was kind of, I mean, it was, again, another faith step. You just kind of stepped out of yeah. like, hey, I got this job, but I want to keep relying on God and let him show up. And yeah. so um, I remember you coming to me, talking to me about, you know, bridging the gap and specifically talking mm-hmm. about like the idea of, of this organization that, that helps people, you know, get maybe in the, the, the place that they're at now. Maybe right. they just need a little helping hand, right. a little bridge to go over right. to get to the next place, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that really hit home with me and helped me understand what you do is, you know, you might have uh, a single mom that comes in and says, mm-hmm. hey, my car broke down, you know, right. and it's a couple hundred dollars to fix her car. But if she doesn't get her car fixed, well, then she's not making her way to work. And if she's right. not making her way to work, then she's not paying her mortgage or right. her, she's not paying her, her, her rent or anything like that. She's yeah. not putting groceries. And next thing you know, you got a family that's homeless all because of, it was like a couple hundred dollars part or whatever right. in labor. Right. And you were telling me about, like, what I want to do is help people bridge that gap. You know? Right. So what we do is we'll determine when we sit down and talk to people, because all of this is very relational. We know yeah. uh, the people that come in. They come in over a period of time. But say if somebody comes in for car repair, I don't simply say, oh, okay, here's a check. And it's a, no, yeah, yeah. Don't You're, have no, money. yeah. And so finding out their situation. And so, you know, you ask them, is this something that, you know, is it a one-time thing? If you find out that this is an ongoing thing, then there's other programs yep. for people like that. But to find out that they're just needing this one fix, this one time, and then after that you don't ever see them again. Yeah. That's really what we're trying to do is, again, truly bridge the gap that one time yep. or those two times or until they get out of this particular spot, but not an ongoing yeah. thing. And you guys are doing a great job. I mean, you've explained to me your, like, vetting process. I mean, it's pretty yeah. extensive. It's not one of those things where, you know, people can – this is not a thing where it's, like, a crutch to people. You really are no. helping people out. And since then, you've told me, you know, some things have changed here and, and there. Give us a little bit of a synopsis of, you know, what's a normal week? What kind of things are you doing to help in, in helping people? Okay, so we, we do have a program where we feed the homeless, um, so we do still have food for them. We do not have a food pantry, so at one time we kind of got 
yeah. kind of pushed, I, I say pushed, I just allowed people to direct me that way, but we never really wanted to do that. But um, So for the homeless, we have food, we have uh, bus, vo bus vouchers, laundry vouchers, so they can go down to the coin laundry, That's cool. get their laundry done. Those laundry vouchers and the bus passes are for other people too. You don't have to be homeless yeah. if that's what you need to get back and forth or to do your laundry, we'll help you with that. Um, we have a number of seniors that we help on a monthly basis, people that over time we've determined that they're just going to need an extra $30 in groceries or yeah. something like that. Because, but again, we go over financial stuff with them and say, yeah. you know, where are you at? What's going on? Why are you falling short? Yeah. And we're gonna come in because uh, I always determine, I try to determine anyway, if somebody can actually help themselves, yeah. pushing them towards helping themselves. And then people who are younger and able to work, there is a program for them to, um, they, they have to be looking for jobs, they have to be doing uh, all the activity to get themselves back on their feet. And during that time, we will help them out with gas, yeah. we will help them out with food, but there is accountability. People yeah. have to come back and say, you know, this is where I went, this is who I talked to, these yeah. are the places I'm applying, and we work together to see if we can get yeah. them into it. You hear position. a lot of organizations that they're, they're helpful in the way of like, they're giving something right. you know, constantly, and, and there's a huge need for that mm -hmm. as well. The thing I, I love to hear about what you were talking about is a lot of what you're doing is like coaching and even yeah. some education along the way. Right. A lot of the reason why someone might be in a situation they're in is because of one or two little things that they've yeah. been doing wrong and to be able to help them to adjust that and right. give them, the, empower them to do it, I think is a, is a big deal. How many people do you think um, uh, you guys are, you know, how many clients maybe that you have uh, in a week or a month that you I would, mean, you in, would a, say? in a month's time, we probably have maybe 80 people come through the door to yeah. It can be more, it just yeah. depends on what, what we're doing at the time, um, we have over, I think over 800 people we've helped that are in our system That's cool. all over. And some of those people come back, you know, every three months or somebody might lose their job and say, hey, I remember you helped me out last year when I lost my job and we'll help them out for a month and say, yeah. hey, but you need to, you know, get back to work. Yeah. And so it's just a constant rotation. Cool. There's two stories you've told me recently I want you to share. One of them was, you said you had someone that came in with like some medical needs and they had to, mm -hmm. like you had to help kind of bridge the gap to get them to whatever. Then Tell us a little bit about that story. Okay, so we, um, I had a gentleman, he's a disabled vet and he came in and he needed an MRI. So the, the VA and their infinite wisdom will pay for the procedure, but they won't pay for the MRI that the surgeon needs to do the procedure. So he had, to, he had to get surgery done, Yeah. but the, the surgeon's like, I can't tell what I'm well, going to do. So the surgeon's like, look, I would love to do this. It's already paid for, but I can't without this. It's a lot of sense, right? So, that, so what I had him do, and it, it just happened to work out that way. I wasn't going to make him jump through yeah, yeah, to do this, yeah. but it just turned out that um, there was an older gentleman who needed help in his yard cleaning up yard waste. Yeah. And this, this guy's a little bigger, and he's, yeah. he's uh, probably close, to maybe 60, but the other gentleman was 80. So he went down, helped him clean out his yard. Yeah. I turned around and contacted the doctor's, or the uh, imaging office, yeah. and I paid for the MRI for him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's not like he's, you know, he's not in next month for something yeah, yeah, else. Yeah. It was a one-time thing. And the thing is, he didn't ask me for it. What, yeah. he, what he did was he gives this other gentleman a ride in, and him and I were just talking. Yeah. We're, we're friends. I know him. His name is yeah. Lincoln. And I, I know him. And we have, we just talk every time yeah. he comes in. And he was just telling me about what's going on. And yeah. I said, maybe we can help you out. Yeah, and, that's cool. So, what's the MRI cost these days? Um, well, if you pay, if you go through insurance, it's $6,000. If you pay cash, it's $260. <laughs> so, Got it. It's amazing. <laughs> Some good math there. 
Um, <laughs> don't know how that works. <laughs> you know, for so you're helping out on, on a broad spectrum. Mm -hmm. You're doing a great job of bridging the gap, not not creating a system for people to continue to you know right. stay in the situation they're in. Yeah. Um, you're recognizing a lot of the stuff. How are you? I mean, like you're not on staff at Coastline anymore. So mm -hmm. like, how are you guys able to fund two hundred sixty dollars to a to a pay for an MRI or car parts? It's uh, donations. Everything yeah. comes through. The donations that we receive allows us to do the things that we do. So yeah. if there's no donations, a lot of times Cindy and I have just done it ourselves. But after a while, that yeah. gets to be a bit. So we it. just wait for stuff to come in, and it usually does. I mean, there's there's a lot of need in the community. One of the other things we do is we're a resource center, so if somebody comes in and is looking for something, we help them find it. We've, yeah. we've even done, I've done people's taxes. I helped a ton of people fill out the FEMA disaster um, oh, that's cool. recovery. I've gotten birth certificates, social security, drivers. I mean, I've learned. Well, because you realize some of, the, some of the steps people need to take, like this is mm -hmm. the thing that's limiting, right. just well, having they, an ID. If you come in, yeah, if yep. you come in without a, uh, without a job but with no ID, then you need to know where to start to get yeah. that. And so... That's a big deal. Um, so, you know, obviously the way that you're getting funding, you know, some people uh, at Coastline might not know, like, we help fund a little mm -hmm. bit, not yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, we give out of what uh, God's blessed us with. We, yeah. Every month we try to uh, support you guys and, you know, Bridge the Gap and Grace Malnutrition Center and these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other way through support is monthly support from individual people. Yeah. You guys are like your own, you're your own 501c3. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're full on, you know, um, a, a nonprofit. And yeah. so... If people want, you know, I, I know me and you have had conversations in yeah. the past of like people are like, what can I do to help? And yeah. you're like, I need 10, you know, I need, I need $200, yeah. you know, and it's I like, people are like, okay, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, okay, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> but really, I mean, and, and I can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see you in two months. Um, really, I mean, I can, I can attest to this and I, you know, whatever the Brian Nichols stamp of approval is yeah. on that. I know when people are donating, like you're really, it's going to help people. Oh, yeah. And it's also one of those things that like, I mean, you're limited by what resources come in. Right. The need is great yeah. in the community that we live in. It's huge, absolutely yeah. huge. But obviously, you know, you're, you're limited to what, you know, God's provided now through yeah. people. Um, so, yeah, so if you guys have any questions, if anybody has any questions, what's going on Bridging the Gap, or uh, if you want to ask questions about how to continue to help financially, specifically, uh, you know, as a monthly donor or a one-time donor or something like that, Eric's going to be in the breezeway at the end yep. of service. He'd love to answer any questions. Um, and uh, he's also a really good lunch buddy. If you need to go to lunch with somebody, <laughs> he'd love to hang out with you. I like to eat. No. Uh, two things that uh, I want to do, though, is one is every year I know we partner with Bridging the Gap, and uh, we help out uh, provide, I think it's Thanksgiving baskets. How many did right. we do last year? Like 50? 100. 100. We did 100, 100, 100 baskets. Yeah. And people bring stuff, and we gather it together, and we bring it down to you. Um, and, and after, through talking with uh, you a little bit, I understand, like, it's tough to, like, you know, the moving pieces, logistics. the <laughs> logistics of it are really, are really tough to make happen. And so this year, we're going to still do that same thing, mm -hmm. but we're going to adjust just a little bit. Yeah. And so the good news is, you know, right in the middle of the area that you uh, kind of minister to, mm -hmm. uh, Edgewater, they just put in a brand new Aldi, right? It's pretty, pretty inexpensive groceries. Yeah. And so I think this year, rather than donating baskets, we're mm -hmm. asking families to uh, help donate a, like, what the value of a gift card for a basket would be, which I yeah. think is like $30, $30. right? Yeah. Isn't that it? Because you get turkeys from somewhere else. Yeah, so we've got another organization that gives us the turkey vouchers so we can give them both. Mm -hmm. They also have places like the Basket Brigade, which is doing 
uh, a lot of Thanksgiving. So the, give, the gift card, the nice thing about that is they can go and get the other things that they don't have. And they yeah. may, you know, for whatever, whatever that looks like. For yeah. Them. So we want to try to this year be able to provide at least 100 gift cards, you know, $30 a piece uh, for people that are in need and help provide Thanksgiving for those people uh, in our community this year. And so for you guys, it's it's you praying and thinking as a family, is there something that we can do? You know, maybe for a family, it's like we can, you know, we're, things are tough right now. Inflation's kicking in. You know, we can provide one basket or we can provide one gift card for a family. Maybe for you, it's like your family, like, hey, we can provide three or four baskets uh, but I want you guys to pray about it, and then for this week, next week, and the, the following week, does it say the weeks on this graphic? 13th and the 20th, so that's next week and the following week, uh, we're going to be accepting the gift cards in, uh, by the welcome wall uh, on your way into church, and uh, uh, Eric or Erica will be there um, to, uh, to collect them uh, for those weeks, so be praying about it and seeing what you can do. Last thing I want you to do, if you can, uh, sh share us with a story of a, a win. Maybe somebody that, um, you know, this bridging the gap has affected in a, okay. in a big way. So, like, a perfect example would be uh, a lady came in. Um, this was maybe a year, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but she came in and she had lost her job. So what, we, what she did was started using her computers. We have computers on site so people can get online and start looking. She started looking for a job. It took her about three weeks. And during that time, we gave her groceries. We gave her gas money to get back and forth and just helped her out along the way. She ended up landing a job at Amazon as a driver initially, and now she's a manager at Amazon. But yeah. I don't. She never came back in again. She still communicates with me. We, we text once in a while. And, That's cool. But she, we bridged the gap. We, yeah. took, we helped her through that period of time, and now she's on her because own. Because she's able to keep going. Right. Yep. And that's, that's, cool. that's really what we, that to me is the biggest win. Yeah. Is somebody who doesn't need help again. I'm, I'm reminded about this, uh, this thing this Nazarene said a couple thousand years ago. He said, uh, they'll know me by how you love one another. And, man, that's a, a true testament to uh to what you guys are doing. I appreciate what you yeah. and Cynthia have done over the years, uh, how much you guys have sacrificed, the time you've put in, sweat and tears, both to Coastline as well as in our community. Um, man, we're better. Thanks. We're better because of it. So, thank sorry you. for prayer for you. Yeah. Sweet. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Eric and Cynthia. God, I pray you continue to charge them and provide for them and protect them along the way. I thank you for what the next years and months coming uh, are going to show. God, I pray that uh, uh, as the need continues to, to show itself, God, I pray you continue to provide in such a way. I pray for the days when Eric looks back and sees, like, man, I don't know how we got through it. I don't know how we got to where we're at, except for by trusting in God. God, I... Uh, I pray that as, uh, as your people, uh, as you called us to be generous and, and help those that are in need, uh, God, I pray that you would allow us to continue to do that and have a positive effect uh, on this community. We thank you so much for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Appreciate you, buddy. Adam, turn them up. You there? We're good. Is that my cue for I talk too long? Probably. Hey, I got six minutes to blow through the sermon. So you guys put your listening ears on. We're getting ready to do. Hey, uh, I'm, I am going to preach, try to preach really quick today. I'm doing something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to be preaching today uh, out of the book of Galatians, um, a message uh, that I've entitled Perspective Shift. Perspective Shift. You know, today... Um, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, we got 
uh, politics are just you know raging on the television right now. Uh, whichever way you're going to vote or you want to vote, it's you got people on Facebook that are feuding, and it's just like it's one of these things where like the, everything is so polarizing in the world that we live in. And I think that when it comes to us as followers of Christ, um, it, it's we have a charge and a challenge to not go the same direction as what the world is going, to not be so polarizing, to adjust our perspective a little bit and understand that that's not about the, the short-term income as it is the, our short-term outcome as it is the eternal outcome. And so today my hope is that as we, as we read through this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to a church in Galatia, as he's, as he's talking to them and addressing them and adjusting their perspective a little bit, I hope it kind of addresses and adjusts our perspective as well with what we've got going on, with what we're going through. The Apostle Paul, he starts out this letter, this, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. He said, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I want to stop there because you need to understand, like, Jewish culture, before Jesus showed up, the way that you were made right in God was by being perfect, like being following the law to a T. You, were, you, had, to, you had to be uh, live in perfection, which I'm going to tell you right now, like I see some of y'all on Facebook, and I know what y'all drive sometimes, and there ain't a whole lot of perfection in the room. I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard for me even, too. I'm, I'm not perfect, man. I was in Dunkin' Donuts this morning, and this lady cut me off in the drive-thru, and, like, I rolled down the window and thought, I'm a pastor. I can't say nothing. I had to roll it back up. But he said, he said our, we are made perfect by our faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we believe in, G- in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, now, some of you guys are like, Brian, this sounds like we're just throwing out all the raw. We're throwing out the Ten Commandments and, and everything like that. And uh, the reason why you think that is because you don't understand the perspective of, of why he's communicating this. So you need to understand that the story or the conversation, the letter that Paul is writing to this church in Galatia is primarily based off of two group of people that are in the church. You've got... Um, uh, you've got the, the, the Jewish people, uh, the people of the Jewish faith, and the people that did not grow up Jewish. And these people, the, the one thing that, that separated them, the one thing that unified them was this, this following of Christ, this love of Jesus. But the thing that, that did not unify them was how their lives was built before that. So the Jewish people, they believe that you've got to follow the law every, to, to the very T of it. You had to follow, and, and if you were off at any point, like you were a complete failure. And the people that, that were not, did not grow up Jewish were just happy to, to be following Jesus. And so what happened is there created this division between these, these two sects of people in the church. And it came down to one, one thing that they were fighting primarily about. And it was this, this subject of circumcision. Now, that's a tough thing to talk about in church, but follow me just for a few minutes. So the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, were saying these people, are not, these people cannot follow Jesus because they are uncircumcised, because they have not followed what the law says about circumcision. So you have all these men, you've got these you know, 20-something or 30-somethings, and unless they go and get circumcised, they're not going to be allowed to follow Jesus, is what they were saying. 
here comes Paul. He's like, hold up a second. Let's, let's address a few things. And he completely, he completely calls him out. He says, that's, that's not how Jesus worked. He said, secondly, he said, part of the Jewish culture is that you get circumcised within the first few weeks of being born. What about if we called all the Jewish people, all the Jewish men, they've got to go through this step as well. A lot of you guys be singing a different tune, right? And also, um, it makes me uh, it's thankful that, that we celebrate baptisms around here, not circumcisions, right? That would be kind of weird. We're not celebrating we're not celebrating that stuff. So Paul comes in, he talks to this church, and he communicates to them. He's like, hey, hold on a second. Let me lay it out to you. Let me tell you where, where you're wrong. And as he goes through this and he adjusts their understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ, he ends the letter with this final chapter in Galatians chapter 6. And if you get a chance this week, read through it. I think it's, it's pretty powerful. He says this in six chapter, or chapter 6, verse 1. He says, we harvest what we plant. How many of you guys heard something like that before? You reap what you sow. Anyone heard that before? I mean, I think, I think we live in a world that has disconnected with this understanding that we reap what we sow. What you put in is what you will get out of it. I think we live in a world where Facebook warriors are on. And they, like, there's, no, there's no repercussions for this. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to say whatever I want. Because they don't see what gets harvested because of it. I think something that we've got to remember, something he's telling the church and we've got to remember too, is we harvest what we plant. He goes on, he says, dear brothers and sisters, if, and if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful to not fall into the same temptation of yourself. Now, now I want you to key on these two words. He says, gently and humbly help. I feel like the church in today, especially when it comes to, to politics and, and the way we believe about certain things and the polarizing thing, there's not a whole lot of gentle or humble happening. There's a whole lot of opinion and, and forcefulness and anger. Here he's specifically talking about sin. I think what he's addressing is, is this idea of that, that the church is judging the other people in the church. He's, and Paul says that's not how it's supposed to be. He said, if anything, even when it comes to sin, he said, if you're going to address it, it has to be done gently and humbly. And if it can't be done gently and humbly, then you're probably not in a relationship with that person enough to talk to them about it. So don't. Continue on in verse 6, he said, or verse 2, it says this. He says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law. I think the enemy wants us to think that we're all alone with what we're dealing with. But the Apostle Paul is telling the church, and I think ultimately he's telling us, that we need to understand that we're, we're called here to share each other's burdens. When I talk to Eric about bridging the gap, the thing that gets him going the most is when he talks about his man, I see what these people are dealing with on a day in and day out. He said, I go home and I almost feel bad for what I have because I'm, I'm burdened by, by what they're going through. His heart's been softened and adjusted, and I think that's, that's the type of heart the church needs to have a little bit more of. In verse 3, he says this, he says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not that important. 
If you're a husband, look back at your wife and say, you've been waiting on that, haven't you? <laughs> Sometimes we've got to take a step back and be a little more humble. The culture that we live in is, is very selfish. And it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. But we're supposed to help those that are in need. We're supposed to help our neighbors. We're supposed to humbly and gently love on them. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 through 5, it says, Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Can I be honest for a minute? Sometimes we are overly critical of other people around us because ultimately we don't want to be critical of ourselves. Because it's easy to point out the flaws in what she's doing or he's doing or the way that she's dressed or he's dressed or the way that he manages things than it is for us to take a solid, hard look at our own lives. The Apostle Paul says, hey, you got stuff that you need to be doing. You need to be addressing and, 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 and fixing the issues that you're dealing with. It reminds me of um, my son Ben. My son Ben just turned six this past week. And uh, he came in on his six-day six birthday. He's like, Dad, look how much bigger I am. He had grown overnight. But the other day, we were getting ready for something, and I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm like, I, I don't know why. I think because God's trying to teach me patience, but he has blessed me with the slowest family in all of Lucia County. Like, I don't, like, I get out of the car, and I walk, like, ten steps, and, like, they haven't even opened their doors yet. I'm like, what is going on? It's like we're putting together a Rubik's Cube or something in here. But I'm like, we got to go. We got to get to this next thing. And come on, everybody, get dressed, get ready. And Ben walks out, and he says, Dad, Olivia doesn't have her shoes on. And I'm staring at him, and I, I, the kid is standing there in his underwear. <laughs> like, that's it. I'm like, son, I'm going to wear your tail out if you don't get clothed right now. That's kind of how we are sometimes. We're like, you know, we're, we go to other people. Can you believe what she's doing? Can you believe what this person did? Sometimes we just need to focus on what we got, what God has called us to do. Verse 7 and 8 says this. It says, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live in to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Eric, I think about you when I, when I read this verse. Because I think at some point you, you understood. You're like, man, I can keep pursuing this job. I can keep pursuing money. I keep accumulating things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to keep me fulfilled and at peace is having the perspective of God in this, in this world and helping out those that are in need. Verse 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap and harvest a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. At just the right time, if we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. For some of you, I feel like in this moment, the Holy Spirit's challenging you to, to not give up, to keep, to keep charging forward. 
The culture of today is, is one where it's a lot easier to, to throw in the towel and to give up on things and quit your job or quit your marriage or quit a relationship. It's a lot easier to just delete people off Facebook and stuff like that. But for some of us, maybe what we need to do is to not give up, to not get tired, to continue on and do what is good. Verse 10, it says this. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. When I read this this past week, I realized it's really easy to do good for those that you like. Really easy for you to do good for those that are politically aligned with your own opinions. It's, it's really easy to do good for, for your family. It's a lot, a lot harder to do good for, for everyone. I think as followers of Christ, that's, this is what the Apostle Paul is challenging with. Is, he says it doesn't matter. He said, yes, as, as, as a church family, we should, should be ready to help and support those that are in need in, in, in our own house. But, but the call of Christ is to help everyone to do good to everyone. He ends the letter with this. Verse 14 and 16. It says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all of you who live in this principle. They are the new people of God. I want to leave you with this as I've gone over on time and I apologize. I think no matter what happens this next week, no matter what happens politically, if if you're for it or against it or, or, or whatever. I, I think we have to have a perspective that is beyond that, that has, has an eternal value. And, and I think no matter where we're at in this, our ideas about how things should be managed or governed or, or the opinions our family has, I, th I think there's something greater at work and more valuable. And my hope is that through all of this, we can hold on to a perspective of Christ that will shift the way we think and will change the world around us. That, that's what my hope is, hope is for you. Today, if, if, if you've uh, felt anything that was harsh or convicting as I read these words, uh, I, I want to let you know that I read all of this in love because I love you. I also want to tell you that these are not my words. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee that he believed in an extreme, extremist way. But at some point, because God came in and changed, because Jesus came in and had a moment with him, it changed his heart forever. He adjusted the way that he thought. He adjusted the way that he taught. And he understood that 
perspective he had shifted back and he saw that there was a greater reward than what he had immediately been looking at. And so today, that's what my hope is for you, is that no matter which way you believe politically, I don't, I, I don't, I don't care. There's not been, we've never talked about politics from this stage. You know, it's funny, I, I actually ran into someone a couple weeks ago. They said, I don't go to your church anymore. I said, I haven't seen you, I know. I said, yeah, I don't, I don't believe in your guys' politics. There's too many of this one type here. I was like, that's funny, because we never said anything about politics a day in my life from this stage, and we won't. I'll talk about sin if that comes up. The Holy Spirit leads me to, but I, I ain't ever, ever felt the call to bring politics to this stage. I think there's something bigger at play than that. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and the next day. I'm going to pray the same prayer I always pray. God, have your way in my government. God, I pray for the people that are in leadership, the people that will be in leadership. I pray you step in and help them. Give them wisdom. That's not going to change. Because my trust, my trust isn't in them. It's in him. And so I want to challenge you to shift your perspective. Where do you put your trust? With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you feel God calling you to make a shift in your own life. It doesn't it have to be, this might be something you're dealing with, maybe sin in your life, or you're dealing with an unhealthy relationship. Or maybe you've been dealing with a relationship unhealthily. And you need him to shift your perspective. Just as a sign of invitation to the Holy Spirit, as a sign of invitation to Jesus Christ, you're saying, help me with this. I want you to raise a hand up and put it right back down. You're saying, Jesus, step into the situation I'm dealing with. Help me shift my perspective, Lord. Heavenly Father, you know what we're dealing with. You know what we're struggling with. You know the tension that we have. I pray that in the midst of whatever we're going through, that your Holy Spirit would prevail. You would help us to focus and shift our perspective to you and what you would want in these situations. Help us to love on those that are in need. Help, help those that, that can't help themselves to not think so highly of our own self, but to focus on the eternal reward and ramifications of what we do. I thank you so much for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.